As you see in your bulletin here, uh, we're going to speak about uh, holiness. We don't hear that a lot. In fact, uh, maybe you, and at least I can't remember the last time I heard somebody preach or teach on holiness and what it means to be holy before the Lord, before a holy God. Well, one thing I learned quickly when I went into farming years ago was that farming was a joint venture between God and the farmer. Uh, I could spend a lot of time and energy preparing the soil, plowing it, disking, harrowing, packing, even sowing some good certified seed. But only God could cause that seed to germinate, produce seed, excuse me, produce uh, a harvest by sending us rain and sunshine at the right time. I knew what my responsibility was in that process, and I expected God to do his part in order to get a good crop. In fact, I just this, uh, when I put put up the second cutting this year, I remember driving out of the field. I had raked that windrows, nice big green windrows. Everything looked real good. And I said, well, Lord, I've done my part. Now you've got to do yours. You dry this hay so I can get it dry. As a farmer, I couldn't do what God had to do. And God would not do what I have to do. It's a joint venture. Well, folks, I believe It's the same thing for the born-again Christian who is uh, pursuing a life, a holy life, to live a holy life. It's a joint venture between God and the Christian. We cannot attain any degree of holiness without God doing his part in our lives. But to be sure, no one will attain it without some effort on his or her part. I believe as we draw nearer to God, which we want to do in our walk with him, he'll give us a strong desire to live a holy life. And he has made it possible for us to do so, for us to walk the talk. But the responsibility of doing the walking is ours. He's done it all. He's done the rest for us. He won't do that for us. He won't do the walking. He's provided the tools but he won't do it. Now, Peter, in this portion of scripture that we want to look at today, not only tells us that we are to be holy as God is holy, but he also tells us what our responsibility is toward that goal of being holy. Holiness is a subject that often is avoided by Christians today. Now, why is that? It's kind of touchy, isn't it? Uh, it's convicting. Here we look at it to read over this portion of scripture. A lot of times we just kind of slide through it. Or we're going to just take another look at it and see if the Lord has something here for each of us. I'm convinced he does. All we have to do is listen for his voice. Let's please stand for the reading of God's word. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. I'll read for the New American Standard. Therefore, gird your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which was yours in your ignorance. Verse 15. 
but like the Holy One who called you. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Let's pray. Father, do we do pray, God, that you show us at the avenue to live that holy life. Because you, you demand it of us. You said we are to be holy as you are holy. So we pray, Father, what, what steps would that? What, what does that mean in each of our lives today? It's going to be different for each of us. What does it mean? Touch on that area, Lord, that perhaps needs a little work. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Most of us feel uncomfortable talking about the fact that Christians are supposed to be holy. Uh, We uh, we feel that uh, it's a term that's strictly reserved for God and God alone. Or maybe we feel uncomfortable because we don't want anyone putting a label on us that we are holier than thou. Or maybe we feel uncomfortable because we don't want uh, people to just say, uh, or at least like I say, call us holier than thou. We don't like that. And yet, we cannot sidestep the scripture quoted here from Leviticus 11.44 that says we are to be holy as God is holy. Plus many other passages in the scripture, Old and New Testaments, if you have a a complete concordance at home, look up the word holy and holiness. You'll see it probably fills a couple of pages. I've did that. Not only attribute that label to God, but to Christians are supposed to be that. People are supposed to be that. And it it requires, it calls, it involves responsibility on our part. It's a joint adventure. Remember, Jesus, or excuse me, James says we are to be doers of the <clears throat> of the word, and God's word is here, right here. He says we are to be holy. So, what does it mean to be holy? Well, I found out a, years, a few years ago that it means different things to different people. For some, uh, for a woman to be holy, perhaps some may say, "Well, she should have her hair wore up in a tight bun behind her head." She can't wear any jewelry. She can't have any makeup on. She wears black stockings and long skirt, no higher than ankle high or a dress. For a man to be holy, some would say, he should remain single, live high up in the mountains, isolated from all people, read his Bible day and night in the light of a kerosene lamp, perhaps. That's a holy person, maybe, somebody would say. Or maybe... A holy person to us is one who prays on his or her knees for hours every day, doesn't watch TV, attend any social events, laughs very little, serious person, and expresses no joy in his or her life. Which reminded me of, uh, as I was going through this, of a little story I read here in uh, The Life You've Always Wanted by uh, John Ortberg. When he talks about a joyless neighbor of his, he says, A farmer had a neighbor, a constant complainer, a wet blanket in the linen closet of life. The farmer decided to impress this man for once in his existence, so he bought the world's greatest hunting dog, trained it thoroughly, invited his joyless friend to go hunting with him. 
He showed the neighbor how his dog could stand motionless for an hour and to pick up a scent a mile away. No response from the neighbor. From the blind, the farmer shot a duck, which landed in the middle of a pond. Upon command, the dog trotted out, walking on the surface of the water, retrieved the bird, dropped it at the feet of his master. What do you think of that? The farmer challenged his joyless neighbor, to which the friend responded, your dog can't swim, can he? We all know people like that, don't we? But to be honest, joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, and patience. A holy Christian is a joyful Christian. We wonder if a person can be holy and still compete in his business. Can he be holy and financially successful? Is it possible to be holy and drive a Lexus or a Porsche or a Mercedes? Or to be an outstanding athlete? Or to a famous entertainer? Is it possible to be holy and be rich? To live in a beautiful home? Have an RV? Well, let's take a look at what the word holy really means. I looked it up in my Bible dictionary. Here's what I came up with. Holy means being totally devoted or dedicated to God. Totally devoted or dedicated to God. To be set apart, that's another definition of holy, to be set apart from the world for God's special use. To be set apart from sin and its influence. To be pure and clean before the Lord. As Christians, we are not to blend in with the crowd, as Eric read this morning. But as Peter Thompson said a few weeks ago, we are to be the salt and the light. To be holy is to be morally blameless. Morally blameless. A holy Christian is one whose conduct is befitting to be called a child of God. And it's not an option for a child of God to be holy. It's a command. God said, you shall be holy. In fact, Hebrews 12, 14 says this, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Actually, a paraphrase went on and covered that. It said, uh, seek to live a clean and holy life for the one who is not holy will not see the Lord. Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. Holiness is not only for the pastor, the missionary, the Sunday school teacher, but it's for every Christian, the Christian housewife the Christian contractor, the Christian banker, the Christian school teacher, the Christian doctor, the nurse, the Christian lawyer, the Christian car salesman, and the Christian farmer, etc., etc. If you call yourself a Christian, you are to be holy. So then, how do we become holy? And why is it that so many Christians today struggle with holiness? I believe Peter has some answers to those questions on holiness right here in this passage that we read today. Peter gives us three reasons why we struggle with holy living, and also he gives us three responsibilities. You can see that in your 
outline today that was handed out in the bulletin. Three responsibilities that we have as Christians to live a holy life. Reason number one that we struggle living a holy life is that we are careless with what we put into our minds. The mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, Romans 8, 7. Somehow we have believed the lie of Satan and the world that says we can take anything and everything into our minds without influencing our behavior. But not true, folks, not true at all. I read uh, recently that behavioral scientists have discovered that human behavior is determined on the great extent to the subconscious mind. If we desire to live in a life of holiness, we cannot take garbage into our minds and expect <clears throat> that it will not affect our, our behavior. Give yourself this test. If you can't invite Jesus to pull up a chair and share some popcorn with him, as you both watch some movie together on your TV or in a theater. If you can't tell them to share some popcorn with you and take a good look at over your shoulder as you read a magazine or a novel together, or you let him look over your shoulder at, as you tap into the internet on your computer or your iPhone. If you can't do that with a clear conscience, then you have no business taking it into your mind our minds must be holy if our behavior is going to be holy colossians 2 3 2 says set your mind on the things above not on the things that are on the earth <clears throat> proverbs 23 7 says for as a man thinks in his heart so is he have so we see the next our responsibility then is to have a disciplined mind. Verse 13, gird your minds for action, Peter says. Practice self-control, the NIV says in that same. Gird means to encircle, to equip, to belt on a sword. Fill your mind with God's word every day. Don't pass up a day without filling your, your mind with God's word. You're going to go out among non-Christians, people that think different than you are, than you think, fill your minds with his word. Thy word I have hidden on my heart that I may not sin against thee. O Lord, Psalm 119.11, most of you have memorized it. Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might, what, not sin. Do you have a disciplined mind? Be careful <clears throat> of what you put into it. Keeping a clean mind in a polluted world requires effort on our part. Turn the channel or turn it off. Walk out of that theater. Years ago, one of our <clears throat> daughters uh, bought us some tickets. She heard me talking about a, a singer that I liked real well, so she bought us some tickets, almost front row tickets, and we went to this concert. We expected a great time. As we listened to this guy sing a few songs, and it was some of the old ones that I liked real well, then he started talking between the songs. His mouth was filthy. And I thought, well, it'll get better. He just quits. He'll get another song is what I'm there for. And it was worse the next time. Lou and I had to get up and walk out of that theater, knowing that I would have to tell my daughter, because she's going to say, well, what would you think of it, Dad? And... Uh, 
I'd have to give her some disappointing news. Folks, sometimes we got to do that. Just get up and walk out. Somebody's said, well, this isn't going to be a good movie. A Christian is told, take in this movie. Well, what they call good and what we call good might be completely different. We see a lot of language that we don't use every day. Don't think you can just let it slide. Get up and walk out. Pass by that magazine rack. Discontinue the internet if you're yielding to the temptation of viewing pornography. I know a youth pastor, some of you know him too, that he was, he was great with kids, on fire for the Lord, and, but he could not leave pornography alone. He got caught more than once. He had to walk away from his church, he was told to, act, eventually he had to walk out of his marriage just because he could not get away from that pornography. What a terrible thing. Discontinue the internet. That's what my advice was to him. I went and saw him. I said, hey, you have no business being hooked up to the internet. Get rid of it. You can live without it. That's what I do. I think it would be too much of a temptation to tell you the honest truth. Why I don't have one. Why I don't have a, a computer. I think it would be too much of a temptation to push the wrong button. I can't handle it. Avoid. Walk away from those off-color jokes. You know the people that tells those off-cover jokes around in your neighborhood or where you work. Just get out of there. Walk away from it. Paul writes in 12, Romans 12, 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember? Philippians 4, 8, Let your mind dwell on whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and of good repute. Dwell on all you can praise God for. There's lots of things. I, I just like going out into a field and just look around and think about what I can praise God for. I can praise God, first of all, for salvation. Secondly, for a good wife that he's given me. You can think of several things. Praise God for. True holiness begins with a disciplined mind. The mind that is sober, as Peter puts it in verse 13 which means being watchful against those all spiritual dangers and enemies of the mind. Gird yourself for action, and you will get action if you walk with the Lord. You'll get some action. Gird yourself. Be ready. A sober mind is not intoxicated with anything but the Holy Spirit himself. As the disciples were on the day of Pentecost, remember they were accused of being intoxicated with wine, but Peter set them straight. He says, it's not wine that we're filled with, but instead we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the intoxication that we want, each one of us. Acts 2.15. The next reason many of us struggle with holiness, reason number two, is we slip back to the old ways, the B.C. days. <clears throat> Notice, <clears throat> excuse me again. I gotta take some of this. It's water, by the way. <laughs> the next reason, number two, we slip back to the old ways. Verse 14, take a look at it. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which was yours in your ignorance. Remember the words of Jesus in Luke. Chapter 9, verse 62, he says, No one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
Sorry to say, folks, sad to say, too many Christians today are not only looking back at what it was before when they met, before they met Christ, but they're going back to those former lusts. <clears throat> Somehow we, we have gotten the idea that we can mix the old ways with the new life in Christ. It's like trying to mix oil with water. It just don't mix. Why do some Christians slip back to their old ways, their former lusts, which were theirs in their ignorance? Let me suggest three reasons. Number one, is it because once we have been saved, we feel safe, safe from all former temptations. So we get careless. We get too careless. It's a reason we slip back to those old ways because once we come to Christ, we didn't realize how tough it would be to walk that narrow road that Jesus talked about. It was a life that we, did. we didn't expect it to be that. Nobody warned us of that. We figured it would be easy, but it isn't. And Satan gets us <clears throat> and to believe that we had it better in those B.C. days. In fact, I've heard Christians say this. I never had so many problems until I met Jesus, which is probably true. Why would Satan bother you before, he, before you came to Jesus? He already had you, didn't he? But now he can cripple you. He can ruin your witness. Is it because we go and slip back to our old ways because we haven't chosen our companions carefully? Or we haven't taken a stand with our old companions? I remember when I got saved, I got, uh, we were bowling with another couple, great couple, great people, uh, him and his wife, and <clears throat> they lived up in the Waste Lake area. They don't live there anymore. They moved over to the other side of the state. <clears throat> we were having a good time, and uh, we always had a little lunch after bowling. And, and so he sat across from me. Lou sat at another table with uh, his wife. <clears throat> and he looked me right in the eye, and he says, I, I don't know what brought this up. I, I, don't, I hadn't only been saved for a short period of time, maybe a month. I don't know. Excuse me. And he said, uh, I can't go along with this born again blankety blank. And I knew right then, I remember my face, I could feel it getting red, and I had to make a stand. And I said, Well, I can't go along with it. It's real. I've surrendered my life to Christ, and it's real. Eventually, they broke off from us. I saw it as a mission field, but he didn't see it quite that way. So. <clears throat> so we quit bowling with them. Actually, we quit seeing them a lot. Folks, it's hard enough to, re- to resist the temp- uh, former lusts that we have, let alone someone pulling at us, tugging at us to go back. Peter says, do not be conformed to the former lusts which was yours in your ignorance, your B.C. days. Conform means to agree with, comply with, Take a stand. Take a stand. Are you choosing your companions carefully? Proverbs 13, 20 says, Be with wise men and you become wise. Be with evil men and you become evil. Hey, pretty simple, huh? 1 Corinthians 15, 33. You should nail this verse on your refrigerator. Well, maybe use a magnet instead. But <clears throat> put it on your refrigerator. You should underline this in your Bible. Uh, highlight it, whatever you do. 
Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company. That's not only for your kids. That's for you too as adults. You know, you could say to your son, hey son, that's not the way I raised you. Why are you hanging around with him? He's going to pull you down. Remember what the scripture says? You can point to that scripture. You say, Bad. do not be deceived. And that's what you're going to have. Bad company corrupts good morals. <clears throat> I remember I was hanging around with a pretty tough bunch in junior high school. And uh, for some reason, I, I didn't know the Lord, but for some reason, I think my mom, she used to always have a habit of saying, be good, as we, as we left the house. That just plagued me. Because Lou, instead of saying, be good, she says, be careful. But uh, be good. So, uh, but anyway, I decided that uh, they were stealing. These guys were stealing a little bit. And so I said, I'm going to choose, choose different when I go to high school. And I did choose different uh, company. <clears throat> and it was the best thing I could have ever done. But I didn't know about this word, uh, this verse. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Those guys that I was hanging around with, two of them, were in prison the day I graduated. Bad morals. Uh, Paul writes, 2 Corinthians six fourteen and 15, What fellowship has light with darkness? What has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Nothing. Very little. Zero. When you get in a, a bind and you want some prayer about something and you're hanging around with an unbeliever, do you think he's going to say, well, let's pray about it? He's, no way, no way. No. No, he's going to suggest a lot of other things, but not prayer. You need to hang with the ones that believe in Jesus. When it comes down to nitty-gritty, you want them to be in touch with God, not the world. <clears throat> Because we march to a different drumbeat than they do. Remember, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. First John said first John one five. To be holy as God is holy involves separation from that which is unclean, those former lusts which were <clears throat> which were yours in your BC days, and to be completely devoted to God. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So the second responsibility we see here is behave like a child of God. Behave. Notice verse 15. Be, uh, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all of your behavior. And like I said, the NIV says, in all that you do. <clears throat> a holy person is expected to have high moral standards. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, through 24, that we are to put off the old self, which is, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and put on the new self, <clears throat> which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness. There's that word. Our responsibility as obedient children of God is to put on, put on the new self daily, let me emphasize daily, before your feet hit the ground in the morning, put on the new self. Talk to the Lord. Tell him to fill you with your, his spirit. <clears throat> put on that new spirit. A holy person says, 
do what is right. And you will be holy. And the voice of the Holy Spirit and obey the voice within the Holy Spirit. A holy person is an individual who handles, excuse me, hungers and thirsts after God. Is that you today? As the deer pants for water, we sang a few weeks ago, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Do you have that type of thirst within you today? I, I sure do. I have. Reason number three that a lot of us uh, do not experience holiness. Number three, we, we do not take sin seriously. Isaiah 59.2, I put it in your, your bulletin there. In your outline, it says that God will not even hear us. He won't even hear us when we pray if we've got sin in our heart. Your prayers are bouncing off the roof, my friend, if you have sin in your heart. If you desire fellowship with the Holy God, remove that sin from your life. The psalmist writes in Psalm 24, 3 and 4. He writes, He who who may ascend to the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place, he who has a clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. Remember, folks, God hates all sin because he is holy. He hates those lustful thoughts you have. He hates our pride. Be careful. Pride slips in real easy with the Christian. He hates it. He hates our jealousy, our envy, our outbursts of anger, our rationalization of wrongdoing, our slander, our gossip. He hates it. <clears throat> Romans 6 1 says, Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. That's what Paul writes. Shall we go on sinning? No. Change. We should be concerned about our sins that they grieve the heart of God and quenches the Holy Spirit within. Remember, it was your sin and my sin that put Jesus on the cross. A lot of times Christians say, well, that was old BCD. That's today, my friend, if you continue to sin. That same sin today put Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago. We tend to categorize sin. We call some small, some big. We say it's a white lie. That's not a real lie. But God calls sin, sin. The Lord wants us to obey him in all our behavior, in every area of our lives. Not to candy coat it, but call it what God calls it, and that is sin. Be quick to confess and repent of it. God has given us a way to do that. First John 1 John 1.9, most of you memorize it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, confess means agree. You're agreeing with God. Yes, Lord. That's wrong. That's wrong, Lord. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have said it. Sin is sin. Take sin seriously. 
if you desire to be holy as God is holy. It's, as Christians, it's our responsibility not only to take sin seriously, but also, number three, responsibility, take God seriously. <clears throat> he speaks through Peter, verse 15 and 16, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Folks, as we draw nearer to God, and I pray that that's your prayer as well as mine. You want to draw near to God. Remember James 4, 8 says, you draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. you got to make the first move. And we see God's holiness, his absolute purity, and his hatred of sin. Then we too would be gripped by the ugliness of how it offends God. If you have trouble repenting from a sin that perhaps you even enjoy, to be real honest, you say, well, it's kind of hard to repent of this one. I kind of enjoy it. Then I found this out years ago. I can't find it in the scripture, but it works for me. You just ask God to let you see it through his eyes. He'll do that for you. I know it. He will. God, let me see it. And then it's easier to repent of it. We can all be sucked into the system of rationalization because everybody's doing it today syndrome. But the question is, we must <clears throat> be answering honestly in our own hearts. How does God look at it? Probably one of my biggest pet peeves today is for the young couples, but I'm seeing some older couples do the same thing. Moving in together, boy and girl, moving in together without being married. In fact, just a couple of days ago, I talked about a guy. He's got two kids. How many is he going to have to have? I said, have you got married yet? No. no I, I'm getting closer. Well, I hope to shout, my friend. Well, how many does it take? Three, four? Oh, man. Terrible. You see, I think the problem is a lot of us are taking our cues from Hollywood and not from a holy God. Drop one L. Holy Ask yourself, is it wrong? Do I feel convicted that it's wrong? Then it's wrong. Definitely. And if you're not convicted that it's wrong, perhaps you're not saved. No matter what mom or dad says, you're just not, you don't know the Lord if you're not convicted of the way you're acting. Holiness is not measured by how we dress or what we drive or what we own or where we live. We all know that God looks down into the heart, not the outward appearance of a person. Praise the Lord, he can do that. 1 Samuel 16, 7. You remember? Remember Samuel was, was supposed to appoint the new, uh, 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 a new king to follow Saul? So he has Jesse's sons come before him. Eliab was the first one. He said, ooh, this guy is outstanding. Man. He's good looking. He looks like he's the guy. He's the next king. God said, no. No, Samuel, you're looking at the outward appearance. I look right down into the heart. The best man for this next job is out there in the field pushing those sheep around. It's David. Do you have a heart after God? A pure heart? An inner craving to know him, to listen to him, to walk with him? 
I believe a person who is holy is one who his heart is sensitive towards God, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, sensitive towards sin. God keep us that way. One who takes God seriously. A holy life is our most powerful influence in this world, folks. Do you want to make a difference? I hear that all the time. Do you want to make a difference? Sure we do. You and I both want to make a difference when we leave this earth. How can we make a difference? Do you want to make a difference in your world, young person as well as older person? Then live a holy life. Be faithful to your spouse. That means no lust for anybody else but your spouse. Be faithful to her or him. Be the one at work who refuses to cheat or steal or backbite. You're not going to do it. Be the neighbor who acts neighborly. When you see a need, fill it if you can. Act neighborly. Be the employee who does not does his work without complaining. Pay your bills. Cut up those credit cards if you can't pay them off every month. Cut them up. So you can pay them off every month if you can. Pay your bills. Don't speak one message and live another. Walk the talk. People are watching the way we act more than what they are listening to what we say all the time. Does your life match your words? When a person's ways and words are the same, the result of it is explosive. But when a person says one thing and lives another, the result is destructive. People will know we are Christians by the way we live a Christ-like life. Actually, uh, Max Locato here says it quite well in this book called The Gentle Thunder. I don't know if you ever read it, but it's good. He puts it this way. It's the life that earns the name, not the name that creates the life. Here's a story to illustrate this point. A Jewish couple was were arguing over the name to give their firstborn. They finally asked the rabbi to come and intercede. What's the problem, the rabbi asked. The wife spoke up first. He wants to name the boy after his father, and I want to name the boy after my father. What's your father's name, he asked the man, Joseph. And what's your father's name, he asked the woman, Joseph. The rabbi was stunned. So what's the problem? It was the wife who spoke up first. His father was a horse thief. Mine was a righteous man. How can I know my son is named after my father or his? The rabbi thought and replied, call the boy Joseph, and then see if he's a horse thief or a righteous man. You will know which father's name he wears. To call yourself a child of God is one thing. To be called a child of God by those who watch your life is another thing. All together, isn't it? Let me repeat those words that Max said. It's the life that earns the name. To call yourself a child of God is one thing, but to be called a child of God by those who watch your life is another thing altogether.
D.L. Moody said this. It is a great deal better to live a holy life than to talk about it. Lighthouses don't ring bells or fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. A holy life reflects God himself. Remember that. That's what we all want, isn't it? A holy life, a life that influences people for Jesus and glorifies God. Remember, to the unsaved person, we who are born again represent a holy God. Don't let Satan tell you that holiness is unobtainable in this life. Not so. We can't do it in our own power, no way. But God has given us the power to accomplish that goal. He ne- or he never would have commanded us to do so. Be holy for I am holy. It's a joint venture. The power, where does it come from? From the Holy Spirit. Only people that know him can possess the Holy God's Holy Spirit. That's to give us the power to do it. As we surrender our lives daily to his his spirit. He ask us, ask him to fill you with his spirit. Before you say something stupid like I do, or do something dumb, God, fill me with your spirit. I want to walk with you today. I want to live for you. I want to represent you. God, fill me with your spirit. That's why I wrote down these song, these words on the, in your bulletin. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. But before I, I lead out in that one, <clears throat> we're just going to sing an acapella. Maybe you should, we just bow our heads and say, Lord, forgive me for, I want to have a clean slate before you today. Okay, let's sing or let's stand and we'll sing that one together. Spirit of the Lord. I think most of you know it, how it goes. If not, you'll pick up on it. It's pretty simple. <clears throat> I'll just do it. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, O Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on me. That's our prayer today, Lord. Hear our prayer.
as we cry out to you. We need you so badly. We need you to fill us, Lord. We're aware of the temptations, that things that tempt us. And you're aware of them too. We can't handle it without you. There's no way can we live a holy life on our own power. We need the spirit of the living God to fall on us, to fill us, so we can reach out, Father. We don't even have to reach out a lot of times if our life is a good witness. They'll see it and they'll say, hey, I want what you got. (laughs) No problem, my friend. Here's what you do, step one, two, and three. Give your life to Jesus. Tell him that you're a sinner, that you're a terrible sinner. And ask him to come into your life and fill you with himself so it'll change you so you're not the person you were yesterday. God, we pray that will be true for each of us. Go with your people today, Lord. Let your word sink into their heart as they walk with you. Let their life be a witness for you, Father, moment by moment, day after day. Let their love for you be evident that you're number one in their life. Praise you, God. That can happen. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.